Good morning, this is Sister Lisa coming to you from the ILD, the Edwin Elder Library. And today I'm going to be reading Chapter 2 out of Meeting God in Holy Places, A Devotional Journey by F. Lagarde Smith, illustrated by Glenda Ray. Where, O grave, is your destruction? Hosea 13 and 14. The Holy Sepulchre, Bonding. Every fiber of my being recoiled at the sight, from the heating mixture of crusader and Byzantine styles to the pretentious religious trappings to the notorious jurisdictional infighting among the five sects which maintain the shrine. I was anything but, but comfortable as I gazed about the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. If others were deeply moved, I was only offended. Is this how Jesus felt when he threw the money changers out of the temple, I wondered? Not, of course, that I hadn't expected to see exactly what I saw, or perhaps I, I saw only what I had expected to see. But in that moment, I gained a new respect for the Jews, who dare not set foot on Temple Mount, lest they inadvertently tread on holy ground. If, as claimed, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is the actual site of Jesus' crucifixion and burial, then the area surely deserves more respect. Perhaps a park with nothing more than an austere viewing stand and a strictly enforced quiet zone. Yet I must admit that I had not been dragged there against my will. I was led to the shrine by the same curiosity which has driven millions of pilgrims and tourists there over the centuries in the hope of somehow touching the central cornerstones of Christian faith, the cross and the tomb. Maybe that's the very reason I was offended. If I had come to touch and to be touched, the shrine itself was keeping that from happening. Far from venerating the site, the holy hoopla and religious regala got in the way of the moving spiritual experience for which I longed. But suddenly it happened. Just as I was about to mentally run screaming out of the church in a desperate flight from its desecration, our guide Joseph pulled us away from the lavishly decorated holy sepulcher with all its ritual smells and bells. In a hushed tone, Joseph suggested that we walk behind the official tomb to a cave-like tomb which lacked pomp and circumstance, but which likely would have been the kind of carved-out sepulcher in which Jesus was buried. One by one, our little band squeezed into the darkened tomb, illuminated only by a single match which Joseph had lit. Once inside, the flame flickered, then died. Wrapped in total darkness, all conversation ceased as each one of us receded into our own private thoughts. I remember thinking how damp and musty it smelled, how cold and foreboding it felt, how cramped and claustrophobic. I could only begin to imagine how trapped I would have felt if a stone had rolled across the entrance. There in the darkness of the tomb, two thoughts rushed to my mind in rapid succession, with a force I couldn't begin to describe. Incredibly, the Lord of heaven and earth was actually buried in such a place. And who knows, perhaps this very place. Never have I felt closer to the person of Jesus. It's one thing to read about his life and death, and even to put one's complete faith in him. It's another thing altogether to feel his presence so closely and intimately as if he were lying there, wrapped in a linen burial cloth, right next to you. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, Jesus said to Thomas, who, having seen Jesus' wounds, joyously proclaimed his faith in the resurrected Lord. Blessed, too, I thought to myself, are those who have seen, if only in some special way like this. Do you know what it is like to be swallowed up in the darkness of despair, or to be slowly suffocated in a dead-end job, or perhaps trapped in a lifeless marriage? 
God in human flesh allowed himself to be trapped in the suffocating darkness of a cold, musty tomb, as if to say, wherever you are, I'll be with you. I've been there before. Deeply moved by Jesus' presence in the tomb, it occurred to me that it is usually an empty tomb we celebrate as believers. The tomb which we prefer to envision has the stone rolled away. It is a tomb of resurrection and rejoicing. And why not? Our Savior is a risen Lord. But in between his cruel crucifixion and glorious resurrection, perhaps we have missed something important about Jesus' burial. Indeed, about our own burial. What else could Paul possibly be trying to tell us? We were therefore buried with him through baptism and to death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It is a case of first things first. Before the stone can be rolled away from our own spiritual tombs, we must first be buried with Christ. If we want to be identified with Christ in life, we must first identify with Christ in death. It is no use rushing to the empty tomb if we along the way have failed to grasp what it means to be buried with Christ. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Beyond the symbolism of baptism is the very real need we have for identification. Just as God identifies with us in all the many ways in which we are shrouded in darkness, so too we must somehow identify with him in his entombment. Call it bonding. The joy which comes in the morning can only be fully appreciated by those who have died to the world and allowed their former selves to be buried in Christ's own tomb. Resurrection always requires a burial. One of the most intriguing Old Testament stories is about a man of God who sent was who is sent on a mission to Bethel to warn the idolatrous and idolatrous King Jeroboam of pending punishment. Mission accomplished. The man of God is invited to stay and have lunch with the king, but the man of God refuses, saying that he has been specifically instructed to neither eat, drink, nor return by the way which he had come. So he refuses the king's hospitality and goes on his way. For reasons undisclosed, an older prophet intercepts the man of God and lies to him, saying that an angel of the Lord has revealed a special counter-order. Acting in good faith on that information, the man of God is persuaded to go and eat with the older prophet. But on his return journey, the man of God is killed by a lion. The seeming unfairness of that outcome is softened in a later passage where the memory of the man of God, rather much like the disobedient Moses, is singled out for honor. What happens next is even more intriguing. When the older prophet is told about the man of God's death, he hurries to the scene, takes the man's body, and buries it in his own tomb, distraught and weeping because of his own act of deception. Then to his sons, the older prophet says, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones, for the message he declared will certainly come true. One might be excused for dismissing the passage as a nice piece of ancient literature with an interesting twist in the storyline, but I think the prophet was onto something when he insisted upon being buried bone to bone with the man of God. When we, like him, are buried bone to bone with the Son of God, we thereby share in his mission and in the truth of his message, and in that there is life. Just when we think that, for whatever reason, our lives are ebbing away into total despair, helpless and hopeless, it's time to join Jesus in his tomb and quietly lie beside him, bone to bone, for in his bones there is life. What was it that God said to Ezekiel in his vision of the dry bones? I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and will come to life, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord." The the picture God gives us is not one of shrouds and sepulchers, nor death and decay. It is just the opposite. 
praise God, it is the opposite. It's not a tomb he is describing, but a womb. And somehow we all sense this at the same time. In the quiet, dark stillness of the Jerusalem tomb, we begin to softly sing Henry Light's prayerful hymn. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out of Swift to its close, ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where grave thy victory? I triumph still if thou abide with me. Hold thou thou hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven morning break and earth's bane shadows flee. In death, in life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. And having sung a hymn, we went out, bone to bone with Jesus forever. Well, you know, that's true. That's true. The death, the burial, and resurrection is what the whole gospel message is about. How Jesus... He paid the price for us that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He said he is the resurrection and the life. So that is a wonderful word of God today, meeting God in holy places. You know, I may never get to go to Israel in real life. I know Mark and I had talked about going sometime. He had a friend named Stevie that was planning on taking his family and wanted Mark and I to go with them. And then Stevie got really sick. Stevie got really sick nigh into death and is waiting a kidney transplant to this day. Um, and then my husband passed away. So, But anyway, to have these books, a place that when people get to go to those places and they share with us their experiences, um, you know, it just somehow just draws us closer, makes the Bible come alive to us as well. So today, just keep on pointing others to the cross. Keep on clinging to his truth. Keep on clinging to that promise that he is coming again. He is coming back. And our loved ones who are in the graves, those graves are going to burst wide open. And we're together going to be with the Lord in the air. We're going to we're going to join up in the air and forever be with the Lord. That's going to be a glorious day. Well, God bless you. Love you all. Tell your friends. Let's get some more people to start listening to these podcasts. God bless you. Bye-bye.